Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm, makes you want to get up and dance and get off your phone or get off your social media and do something fun. But alas, my friends, uh, we do look at social media. Many of us, some some don't. As Paul mentioned earlier in the show, 75% of Americans claim they are not on Twitter. I think some of them are lying, Paul, but whatever. That was a recent poll. And we know, we know the algorithm feeds us stuff. We know the YouTube algorithm. Its job is to keep us there as long as possible. We know that the kids on TikTok are being fed what they have already looked at, what it knows that they have liked. We get it. But we didn't realize how, well, I, I'll speak for myself, I didn't know that artificial intelligence and algorithms can be biased. Hmm. Joining us now is Grant Reavy. He's the Executive Fellow for the Business in a Digital World at Opus College of Business at the University of St. Thomas. He's also a Chief Technology Officer for Vibrant Emotional Health. That's a nonprofit that supports the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Grant Reavy is joining us now. Welcome to the show, Grant. Thank you. So explain how an algorithm can be biased or racist or in any way have, I guess, kind of an opinion. Absolutely. Uh, algorithms primarily learn the same way humans do through experience and data. And so the way any human would encounter bias from exposure to the environment or people around them, algorithms learn the same way. Essentially, these systems are all trained on historical data. And that data all contains bias of the past, the ways that we've behaved in the past, the things that we've decided in the past. And so any algorithm is going to contain that because all they effectively do is reproduce past patterns unless we tell them to do otherwise. Interesting. Grant, well, wait, this is does Paul. that mean that? Well, hold on, oh, Paul. Sorry. Does that mean that they're not really biased or because they're just regurgitating what we told them that we like? So, in fact, if it's sending you racist comment, that means because you're telling it you're racist and you like that kind of content? Well, they reinforce the pattern. So it's not like as you express it here. But if uh, let's say in the case of Facebook, a racist comment uh, gets lots of attention. The algorithm in Facebook that brings new things to your attention on your homepage is going to bring you more racist comments because it knows there is a likelihood for that to get more attention. I see. Okay, got it. Thank you. Grant, the platforms basically reward um, anger, right? Emotional, visceral reactions. What's going to keep you engaged on Twitter or any platform uh, chances are it's going to be something that makes you angry. You know, kitten videos, maybe, but most people stay longer because they're upset, they're angry, 
and that's what keeps them going. And and frankly, that's how the platforms make money if they're ad supported, right? The more the angrier you are, and the longer you stay on Twitter, the more ads you're going to see or promoted posts. And so, my question to you is: when it comes to engagement, is this a function of bias from the developers who created these programs, or is it purely? past behavior, past actions, predicting the future and how you might engage down the road? Well, that's a, that's a complicated set of questions. So uh, let, let's, let's break it apart a little bit. So in part, bias is looking at past situations and, and predicting what is likely to get you engaged. That, that's one piece here. So if we see something, be it a racist comment or something that's likely to make you angry that causes more engagement then the algorithm is incented essentially to reproduce that. Now what causes people to engage and stay present is actually a, a different function, right? Uh, and I'm not particularly an expert in that domain, but we do know from what we see in social media now is that generating a strong emotional action, reaction, predominantly anger, causes people to stay on those platforms more. And that's true in the case of Facebook and Twitter, more so than it is in the case of something like YouTube, uh, uh, which is designed to keep get you into topics where you sit there and watch, you're mildly entertained, uh, enough to keep clicking on the next video on the playlist. Right. So a little bit different in terms of, of uh, bias versus what causes people to be, let's say, addicted to the content that they're being shown. What you you guys studied this at University of St. Thomas, what should business leaders and CEOs and even, you know, personal users know about this research? Can we stop it? Can we change it? And, and now that we have this knowledge, what do we do with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's a lot of talk about AI in business right now. Um, and some of it is negative in the case of social media, and some of it is uh, very positive uh, uh, in the case of sports or maybe other applications like that. I think the first question from a business lens is to ask, you know, why am I getting these results? So there's a famous example where Amazon had built a, an AI algorithm uh, for hiring, reviewing candidates. And the result of that algorithm was that all of the candidates rated most likely to be successful were all white cisgender men. And that's because historically, the candidates who are most successful in the organization were white cisgender men. The question we should ask around why am I getting these results is, do these results reflect the intention for my organization? And if we ask that question and we see the results, we can actually go back and treat the algorithm di differently. We can ask it to exclude gender or race uh, or other self-identities as a construct from the algorithm. So that's one thing that we can do. Just ask, why am I getting these results are the ones that they want. From a personal perspective, when we look at what we're getting algorithmically from social media, if you're not seeing things that make you think a little bit, if you're not seeing things that make you a little bit uncomfortable, and I'm not talking about anger, I'm talking about different viewpoints here, you're likely caught within a bubble of confirmation bias in your social media, 
And you should step back from it and go seek out other conflicting sources of information, which is really hard to do. We're so inundated with things that are um, subject to our own confirmation bias that feel good to us. We've some, in some way forgotten how to deal with a little bit of friction with another viewpoint and how to engage with it and think about why might the other person feel that way or think that way. Yeah. You mean, wait, you... You, you mean we should actually change our minds from time to time? You touched on something, Grant, that I think you nailed it. Most Americans don't want to be informed. They want their own current beliefs confirmed. And that's they're looking for, quote-unquote, information that confirms what they already believe as opposed to, oh, there are new data points. Maybe I should consider changing my mind. You talked about this, you know, inoculating ourselves as consumers of information, uh, cast a wider net, right? And and I think that's tremendous advice. And uh, I sure appreciate the work that you're doing and your team at the University of St. Thomas. Grant Reavy, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. That's that interesting. Was, uh, I mean, that's, that you was. know, I mean, that's great advice. We know we should be doing that, and now it's confirmed that there is research on this. But it's interesting how businesses can use it, because I'm sure businesses use technology lots during their job searches. And I hope they are aware of this research, and I hope they are casting wider nets or just adding in that human factor of, okay, this is what the computer says, the computer spit out based on research, but... You know, is that who we want to be in the future? Is that what we want to look like? Do we want different voices at the table? Or do we want to just go with what we've been doing forever? Or do you want everything you did in the past to dictate your future? Well, you know, right. Paul did right. this and he ordered this and he right. went here and he went there. And you that becomes the template going forward. That's the, the best guess for what Paul will do tomorrow, what he mm -hmm. did yesterday. That's right. And, you know, I get that, but that's that's the limits of artificial intelligence and computers are good. Hope I don't Too live long enough where they're smarter than we are. They're getting there. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll we'll be right back on CCO. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. 
Toyota. Let's go places.